Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Alex. Hola. And Dan. Hello. Today we are talking about our first game, Dungeons and Dragons, and how things previously viewed as nerdy and uncool seem to be all we're getting from pop culture. Um, so, possible spoiler alert? I don't know if that's necessarily necessary, but... But anyway. <laughs> sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So guys, there's not really much of a review here, but I think we could all sort of share our varying levels of involvement with D&D. So, I'm so uncool, I want to play D&D, but I don't. Like, I'm the nerd on the outside of the D&D table. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> okay, um, I'll say that it's definitely difficult, or it has been in my life, to find a group to play D&D. I didn't know it existed for a long time, but I definitely, like, knew about LARPing, and I knew about just, like, role-playing types of games, and I never had a large enough friend group to get to play it. Uh, very recently, I forced myself into a friend group, I've only ever been part of one campaign, um, and I wasn't very creative in making my character, so I just based it off of another character I know very well. So I played Dave the Barbarian in a, <laughs> in a group, and I've definitely enjoyed it. The role-playing, I'm still getting used to, but I definitely enjoy uh, the fight sequences, because I never expect to win, but I get to rage every time, and it's a lot of fun for me. That's my background on D&D. <laughs> so I began playing Dungeons & Dragons back, I'd say, in late middle school. This was with uh, 3.5 edition. Played it a bit more in high school with my friends. We were granted terrible, and all we wanted to do was just beat stuff up and level up, and we had no, no uh, nuance for storytelling or role-playing until we uh, gained appreciation for it later on. Then, once later, high school and early college rolled around, we sort of like fell off the train, I'd say. And now that 5th edition has rolled around, I've been seeing uh, a, an interesting resurgence in uh, interest in the game arise. Yeah, I'll say right now that I didn't even know there were versions. Uh, the fact that you said 3.5 and then just now said the 5th, like that <laughs> already, like was interesting to me because I figured Dungeons and Dragons like had like a set rule book and then was sort of updated with ideas via internet. Like that's just how I imagined it it happened. Yeah, I mean there's definitely a lot of player made content for the game as well. In the sense it's uh made by Wizards of the Coast. You might be familiar with them if uh they make Magic the Gathering and a whole bunch of old uh old sort of wizard fantasy games, stuff like that. Um, so a lot of the times when a, a new version or something rolls around, they'll make the building blocks for it, and then it's up to like the, the community and the players to work with in the rule set, and feel free to bend things to, to fit their narrative or characters as they, as they see fit. But I'd, I'd say, just from what I've observed personally, like, not even say like Netflix is the reason to blame for this, but I think people are just more accepting with like long form media these days without a doubt like even with the marvel films mm -hmm. like we've we've seen a change with those like uh, overarching stories people are willing to commit to them That's yeah true. i uh i read somewhere i was looking up like 
how to play online or something. Um, because you guys, I guess, would be my friends most willing to play D&D, but like, I don't live close enough to do it frequently. So I was just Googling D&D stuff and I saw that in 2017, they had their best sales ever. Like they, I guess, sold the most. Um, and it might be because they just came out with that new edition. But I also think there is a resurgence, and it might be because people enjoy these long stories with characters that they know and love. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I will say what interested me the most in Dungeons & Dragons was the opportunity to create, like, as you're going, which is what most of life is, but also in that fantasy setting of... If there are consequences, I get to stop playing. (laughs) Um, What fascinated me the most was the amount of responsibility on one person to really flesh out a universe and sort of pay it really close attention to what everyone says and incorporate that into their story moving forward. So I can't imagine myself ever being a dungeon master, but I could definitely be a dungeon master's partner. And be like, that's a great idea, and you should also do this. (laughs) Um, Just in case any listeners don't know, um, a dungeon master kind of creates the world and sets the rules and boundaries, and then you have the player characters that create characters and roleplay, and then the dungeon master kind of simulates randomness and fills in the blanks of what's happening. They play non-player characters and things like that, so they really have the most control and responsibility um, I couldn't imagine that being fun for me. Like, I don't think I'd be able to do that. Yeah, so essentially, as Joe was explaining, the uh, the players at the table, they're all playing their, uh, the the fantasy uh, characters that they created, whether it is Dave the Barbarian, or a gnome, or a, uh, a roguish elf, or whatnot, and the dungeon master is facilitating the, the world around them. He is the... Uh, the and the non-player characters the npcs that you would counter he's that that guard you just pissed off by uh walking into uh the tavern's back door or whatever and he's the big big bad boss dragon that's uh um guarding his treasure hoard and such Mm -hmm. Uh, another aspect that i like about dungeons and dragons like yes the dungeon master like has all of this power but there's also the aspect of the dice that sort of allows for that randomness and isn't just one guy telling a story and pushing it in any direction he wants. There is so much openness, which again, just demonstrates how much responsibility and background knowledge the dungeon master needs. But the dice sort of really allows for all of the decisions to either be successful or not successful. And it makes like... I would say most likely that's what would make it most fun for the dungeon master because even that person doesn't know what's going to happen next. That's a good point I hadn't thought of. Um, There are some aspects that even they aren't sure of what's going to happen. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had. I don't see what I was going (laughs) on. You you (laughs) call it preparation. I like to call it preparing absolutely nothing and see what happens now. But um, just because in my experience, I have dungeon mastered a few times and I am currently dungeon mastering a lot of what i'm still learning and like have learned it's it's essentially loose little um scenarios or points that i try to hit and essentially how 
they reach those scenarios or what order they hit them in or what the uh, the feelings of the party around them are at the time. How they get there is entirely up to the players. Um, I've been a participant, a character, as Dan has been the dungeon master, and I have directly observed him having a plan and all of us saying, eh, we're going to do what we want to do. <laughs> and then, I mean, not necessarily ruin everything, but I see the, I see the shrug of like, okay, you guys, I guess you're going to fight the bad guy who I didn't want you to fight that I think you're going to lose against. Here we go. <laughs> and I think it's a lot of fun like to see the all of us. like There are actual risks in the game where like we could all quote-unquote lose, and I think that's fun too. And even interacting with your uh, fellow uh, party members as well is something that I've been like trying to push and facilitate, which is... Uh, a lot harder, especially if it's uh, um, people who might not know each other, but I think it's an interesting way to interact with people that uh, you might not know through uh, through these weird characters that you're controlling. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I've gotten to play once. Uh, it wasn't the um, traditional fantasy genre, but I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but part of what I liked was just creating the character and then interacting with everyone else's created characters and being able to just sort of improvise as these weird characters that we all got, you know, to put our hands in creating. So I thought that was a lot of fun. So yeah, you should get your people to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely tough with, I made the mistake of having a, uh, a very large group, which I'm all for having new, new and old players, like, well, not age-wise, just experience-wise play the game but it's it's definitely tough with a uh, a larger group who's still uh getting the hang of some of the mechanics whereas uh what might intimidated you about the game before dungeons and dragons like oh it's a lot of uh math and statistics and like uh papers and recording that's still there and present one of my favorite things about fifth edition is how much how long it's come like oh man this is a simplified version like for sure it might not seem it on paper but if you compare it to versions past things have become streamlined for the better oh okay so yeah i've definitely had that sense of i don't really know what my options are and i think i sometimes i feel like a little like i need more boundaries in order to move forward but i think getting used to this idea of I can literally do whatever I want will help me like move forward and hopefully that's my tidbit of advice <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not he's like successful like how does he present what he's trying to do is this little 16 year old barbarian guy who's trying <laughs> yeah. to uh essentially charismatically win his way over he might not uh win over a crowd when he looks like a some mangy-looking uh, teenager on roids. Uh, I think one aspect is because I am a human and they are a drow, but I did try to appease her and try to turn myself into a slave for her, and she bought it, so I almost got she to She bought be... it? She bought the slave? <laughs> or you know? I was gifted, actually. <laughs> but I almost got to be someone's slave. That was exciting. And... Not that I was essentially trying to stop Dave from becoming a slave or whatnot, but it essentially sets up moments for forces to intervene 
with like, well, if this trout is about to walk off with a uh, an easily acquired slave, what would prevent that from happening or who would take advantage of that further, etc. Mm -hmm. So I think we want to answer the question and we started to answer it is how D&D &D and other nerd culture is becoming more and more popular and kind of like is stopped has stopped being referred to as nerd culture and just like culture. Yeah, it's um, I really don't know when the rise of interest came about in Dungeons and Dragons. I, I know, you know, obviously it came around in the 70s and has stayed relevant. But I really feel the past year or so, there's just been a resurgence of people saying, yeah, like that's something I thought about doing or like, oh, yeah, I just joined a group that plays. Um, and as far as I know, people are still using the pencil and paper, even though, you know, it's not online or on your phone. Yeah. They're still able and there's to even sit down and do it, popular so. uh, groups uh, that will uh, stream their games on Twitch, like the the critically acclaimed Critical Role or Dice Camera Action. That's exposed even more audience members who wouldn't have opportunities to even view what is Dungeons and Dragons from the outside. Give them an opportunity to even see what this is all about. Yeah, that so, might be a part of it. Similarly to that, I think the popularity of um, the MCU has kind of given rise to things that people used to say were dorky, so like comic books and superheroes, now are very popular and successful. So I think maybe people that were interested in it, but were like, oh no, like I'm not going to tell anybody about it because people are going to make fun of me, yeah. are now more willing to look at stuff on Twitch or are just willing to say, hey, I'm interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons. Does anyone want to play with me? It's yeah. a lot of the same structure in the sense of you are making your own hero mm -hmm. and sort of molding their own origin story. And now you're sort of in this group of other characters with their own sort of strengths and weaknesses and their own stories and backgrounds. And then you're just shaking up the board and seeing what happens. Yeah. So you're basically playing uh, Infinity Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely agree that there's like this huge generation that loves superheroes and wants to like, can't wait to see the next one. And uh, I think that all started with the very first Spider-Man. I think that was one of the first like genuinely successful superhero movies where Tobey Maguire... Um, gets bitten by a radioactive spider and it's if cool I will at school and gets yeah. the girl yeah like i have seen that movie recently and it i'm gonna say it it doesn't hold up you guys oh uh, my heart but willem dafoe <laughs> oh willem yeah, dafoe willem holds up as per usual but when mj trips and peter catches her and then catches all the food on the cart you're that, saying yeah. that doesn't My hold every up. young boy's fantasy, you're telling me that's... <laughs> it didn't hold up. <laughs> I will say, when I was a kid, I loved Spider-Man 3, which I know everyone says is horrible. And they're right. I watched it recently and I was like, huh, yeah, my nostalgia's not doing it this time. I, this, is, this is a bad movie. So maybe upon further watch, the first one wouldn't hold up, but... But it was I a very think, important film and I yeah. think it was a great stepping stone for people to reveal like, no, I do like superhero stuff. And then Hollywood got its clutches on it and was like, all right, let's really squeeze this money out of it. And there's, I still love them. And but that's yeah, for a different episode. And that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> I still love them. 
It's just there, even within the the tool set, like the Marvel or like just comic book universes allow. It's just all these fun combinations that gets you, wants you to see what happens in this setup. It's like, oh, they're all together. Like now, it's like they're not their own individual movies mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh yeah, Phase Three has had a lot of like overlapping Thor and Hulk, and blah, and Doctor Strange will eventually overlap with Thor and stuff. I think. Um... The why people love that it kind of goes back to when you were a kid and you played with your action figures and you were like, yeah, Disney's Hercules can fight the Hulk. And um, I think that might be why people are interested in role playing, because that's basically what you're doing. Yeah, that might be it's maybe it's like a nostalgic, cathartic kind of thing. Like, oh, I get to be a kid again. Yeah. Or even if it's just expressing the lack thereof which in uh superhero movies or any type of film is like i still have yet to see this type of character like presented in media or whatever and i want to i want to make and see that type of character in action that's true i will say that in dungeons and dragons for me it's definitely an opportunity to let go and like i definitely have like a lot of stresses like with work and college and all of that and D&D is the night for me to be like, okay, I'm going to put all of my problems on the back burner and I'm just going to play. Like this is literally a play date. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one reason that I enjoy D&D. And I think it's one reason that might make people enjoy all of the other aspects in um, in pop culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... Admittedly, I will say that barrier to entry, it it does definitely seem scary, and it, it is that bar is set there for a sort of a reason, but there is that sort of willingness that you have to allow to, to let go and um, just sort of allow your character's quirks to, to like shine through. It's like, I, I know what I want to like do as like a player or whatever, but what would my character do within the situation? Would he accidentally uh fall would he would he be conned and rused by this guy and fall along with the trap even though i know as a player that this isn't an obvious setup of a trap it's like maybe dave is uh a little too gullible for this and he he goes along with yes (laughs) and yeah dan you kind of mentioned it at the beginning of opening up to experiences i think a lot of people might think oh D D isn't for me but what's great about it is that I think there is something for everybody. Um, I mentioned before that the time I got to play, it wasn't the normal fantasy genre. It was... Oh, was it Mutants Masterminds, the superhero one? Or... No, it was called Slice of Life. Oh, man, I like so, this way more now. <laughs> yeah, it was basically a normal day. We were normal people, I should say. And then there was, like, one strange aspect. So, like, I was a magazine editor. Like, someone else was, like, a night shift warehouse manager, which doesn't sound exciting, but we had a really good time playing. And so there, and like Dan said, there's a superhero genre one. Um, There's one that could be sci-fi. You know, you could play this pretty much any way you want. So even if you don't like fantasy, you can play it in, you know, whatever way you could think of. You could make a Western or, you know, anything suit your fancy. I think it's a lot about communicating between uh, your dungeon master, whoever's facilitating the game, and the players in the group, what the group wants out of the experience, which 
Uh, it can be difficult, especially if people are new to the game, where you want to try to throw a few ideas out there and see what they latch onto. What are they sort of struggle? What are you sort of struggling with uh, getting them to latch onto? Can you drop it? Can you get them to improve at it? But... Yeah, I think like going back to the question of how has it risen in popularity again? Um, a big part of it is being able to not take yourself so seriously mm -hmm. and i think within the nerd culture none of them or us depending on how we view our culture <laughs> does take do take ourselves very seriously and so like you can see larpers make fun of other larpers and be like oh yeah that is something that we do ha 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 <laughs> and other like dungeon and masters participants say oh they're so annoying when they do this like even they can keep poking fun at themselves. And I'm thinking in the context of Supernatural, uh, the CW show that should have ended three seasons ago or five <laughs> seasons ago. Burn. Um, they, in hell. <laughs> one, one reason... You guys, I can't believe I ignored that joke. That was brilliant. <laughs> one reason it's continued... It really was. <laughs> one reason that it's continued to be so successful is because at a certain point, they the show started making fun of itself. Uh, they had like a big twist where their life had been written down as a series of books by a prophet who then eventually turned out to be God. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and then uh, for a lot of the episodes in random seasons, you'll see them make fun of themselves because people know who they are in the context of the characters in the book. So, like, Sam and Dean will go to a convention where a bunch of people are dressed up as Sam and Dean. And people will walk up to them and be like, that's not a good costume. And they're like, "That's it's literally us. Your Zuko scar is on the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's how it stayed popular. And I think that's what allows the pop culture to continue to reference nerd culture is that we don't take ourselves that seriously. And we can do that. Like, we have fun. And that's what people generally want, is to have fun. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I remember there was this fantasy football commercial where they had good fantasy and bad fantasy. And there was a group of LARPers, and they were saying, like, oh, dorky nerd stuff. And then it said, bad fantasy. And then there was a guy on an iPad, like, in the parking lot of the park, doing fantasy football and they were like good fantasy and a bunch of people critiqued it and they were like this guy's by himself like how is he having a good day the other guys are like having a really fun saturday like they're hanging out with their friends how is that the bad fantasy <laughs> it's this funny little like uh demo reel with matt mercer who is the dungeon master on the uh the twitch show critical role where it's uh are you guys ready for fantasy football and it's like oh, i just spent the whole night uh taking the whole nfl draft and merging it with the players D, &D handbook and uh i just have all these stat blocks for teams like no man we just <laughs> which is why i'm surprised um more jock people or like sports fans don't like D&D because it's a lot of stats and like when you're really really into football or you're really really into baseball you get super into the stats like fantasy football is all stats but I know people that play fantasy football that would say like oh D&D &D, no that's like super nerdy like that's not for me and it's like, that's literally what you're playing, though. Yeah, it's definitely the role-playing aspect. Because yeah. in fantasy football, like, you make the decisions 
and then like you let other people take care of it at the end of the day. But in D and D and other role playing games, like you're forced to follow through with decisions and you're forced to face consequences after that. And it's kind of hard to bail. You mean things can be your fault? <laughs> <laughs> and those don't have to be punishments for the player. Like, consequences organically build the story around it. It's like, oh, because you did A or whatever, like, as a result, uh, like, this happened or whatever. It's like, oh, no, I totally wasn't expecting that. But, like, that's okay. That's just the uh, just how the uh, decisions branched off on each other. And even players in the moment can help build the story without even realizing it with the choices that uh, they make, whether with it's the uh, dungeon master, it's like, ooh, I just had a wonderful idea because this happened, or another player within a group, it's like, oh, you stole my thing that I was going to do, fine, I'm going to do this other thing that I, I didn't want to do this, but as a last resort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can definitely think of just a lot of other TV shows or movies that reference this nerd culture and now these are the popular movies like uh, and tv shows i'm thinking of gravity falls where they have mm -hmm. like the dungeon dungeons and more dungeons um stranger things uses directly dungeons and dragons yeah, um literally like first two minutes of the, yeah, yeah they open with it <laughs> uh there's an episode of community that references dungeons and dragons and they have a great episode revolving around it and all of these shows, I guess they have their niche group, but it's still popular enough where, where people are like, yeah, like, I might not get that reference, but it's amusing in this way. And maybe I want to fully understand this reference, yeah. so I might want to start playing this or looking into how to start playing And especially it. in those instances where it's uh, portrayed in a way you're already familiar with because you're watching the show. It's like, oh, community. It's like all the characters I'm familiar with. And then I can understand it in this context that they're playing this game. Yeah, it even um, breached this video game called Borderlands, which some people might be familiar with. It's a really cartoony first-person shooter, but there was an add-on called Bunkers and Badasses that was essentially just the D&D campaign in the game. So... Like Dan said, like this format you're already familiar with. Yeah. Like, oh, I play Borderlands. And, and within that DLC, D &D. it's it's all the characters you're familiar with in the Borderlands universe, except they're they're literally just playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons, and one of the characters is narrating what's happening in front of them. <laughs> yeah. So I think that might be another reason why it's kind of creeping back into relevance. Now you like got me it's... thinking of Borderlands. Literally, <laughs> what that DLC is about, and it's like. And this character that died kind of like magically comes back to life. It's like Tina. You just this isn't like this is a game. Like he's actually dead in real life, and you realize she's using this as a coping mechanism to try to avoid the fact that uh, someone close to her had died. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's why it's kind of creeping back into relevance. It's in all these peripheral media's that like people are very familiar with and are comfortable with. And they're now being exposed to it in a different way. Uh, either be a very powerful storytelling element with this little girl's coping mechanism or a, a joke in a Gravity Falls episode. Um, fun fact, the Stranger Things font in the title sequence is directly from the D&D &D manual. Oh, shoot. I did not even notice. I'm a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've worked up to achieve at this point. Overall, I think for myself, the quote-unquote nerd culture, which I've always been able to slightly identify with, comes down to I enjoy playing pretend. 
That's why I like improv. I like role playing. I like doing bits. And it's, it's a way for me to let loose and just say, put work on the side and say, I'm going to have fun right now. Yeah. Or even when I was younger, like uh, when anime started becoming popular in the States, whatever, it was outlandish. It was something new. It was, uh, it was like you're discovering like uncharted like territories. Like, whoa, what is this like weird, weird new form of media that I'm like super into, but it doesn't seem like everyone knows about. Oh, so you're like a D&D hipster. <laughs> hmm, well, no. <laughs> I will say, well, darn. I will say definitely uh, watching anime still has that like taint of, oh, that's not cool, but it is rising. In one of my classes, one of my kids had a background of Sasuke with the Rinnegan, and I was like, wait, what are you on? Because I was implying that he wasn't doing his work. And he was like, oh, this is just from Naruto. Or this is Naruto. And I'm like, that's not Naruto, that's Sasuke. And he was like, wait. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> I will never consider myself cool. And especially not because I watch anime. Yeah. But no, we've even seen a rise of that with like celebrities sort of saying, like even with Michael B. Jordan, there was one with John Boyega recently too. It's like, yeah, I'm like currently watching Naruto or whatever. Like, uh. A lot of the the stars that we're growing up with are also into these things. It's mm -hmm. like, whoa, well, if such and such like is into it, there must be some merit to it. Yeah, maybe that prompted their creativity. Uh, a few days ago, uh, at the time of this recording, Drake was on Twitch streaming Fortnite, which yeah. Fortnite is definitely much more mainstream. But yeah, the so. idea of these celebrities being into anime or video games or what have you i think maybe it is kind of where they get their creativity from maybe they get to shut their brain off and watch a naruto episode i always say naruto i don't know why <laughs> it's because you don't naruto. watch it <laughs> i watched a good portion of it <laughs> i i recorded an episode of naruto on my v vcr as a kid and my dad got mad at me because he was taping something else <laughs> Oh man. Is that why you don't watch it That's anymore? That's why I don't watch you it anymore. That memory of getting in trouble. Like every time I hear the theme song, I'm like, Dad's going to yell at me. <laughs> no, but one thing I will reiterate is um, it's really the strengths of D&D shine when it's uh, when the group knows what they want to get out of the experience and everyone at the table is um, is willing to commit to the fantasy it's uh sometimes experiences can be made or break um or broken based on how uh involved everyone at the table is just like when you it's very obvious if someone isn't into the thing that you're trying to show them is oh watch this new if you're trying to get them into a new tv show and like you can already tell that they're not sort of taking a liking to it D, &D is similar in a lot of respects but it's interactive. It's it's not that thing. It's like, oh, it's either you like the show or it's not. You can adapt the game on the fly to suit someone's mood. So if you think you probably won't like D&D or you're afraid that you're just going to be bad at it or uninterested, don't be afraid to give it a try. It's pretty customizable and uh, I think you might be able to find something that you like about it. Tune in next week where we talk about Netflix's original series Altered Carbon and Classism in Society. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Like us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 underscore bald men. And find us on Facebook. Thank you again, and if you were driving, we hope you got there safely and on time. <laughs>